0: To the book of Galatians, and we're going to start there and we're going to read three verses of scripture. I'm going to calm myself down a little bit initially and slow myself to a, an appropriate pre- pace to unveil to you a thought that I have had in my mind and my heart for some time now. Now, last week, as I taught the Word of God and preached, I discerned in my heart that as I brought you two subject matters briefly before I narrowed it down to preach concerning the coming of the Lord. I discerned right from this pulpit that the portion of the of, that I shared at the beginning of the message was the portion that really had the anointing on it. But I was not prepared to just totally by faith move away from what I had prepared in my heart and, and just go in that vein. So whether that was right or wrong, I cannot now answer, but I do know this, the doctrinal content that's hidden, that begins in this first passage, it's going to take a multitude of scriptures for us to put together a puzzle to allow us to see a much bigger picture. We're going to take a broader picture here today. Today, as we start to paint this portrait, we're just going to kind of cover the canvas with some backdrops, and each week... We're going to begin to make it just a little bit more clear for you to be able to see this. And when it's ultimately completed, I hope there is such a revelation in your spirit that it will revolutionize your life. And I'm saying that in all sincerity of faith. The reason why I say that is I know what this doctrine does in me. I know how it lifts my countenance. I know how it, it changes the, the value that I place upon the call of God that I've received in Christ Jesus. How that it, it causes me, again, in the words of Philemon, verse number six, to acknowledge the good things that are done in me through Christ Jesus. It allows me to relate to people without my countenance being fallen, but I have an ability to communicate with them because I know I'm in Christ Jesus. And certain of these promises that are going to be unveiled to you are going to do the same thing. So if you'd stand up today, we're going to be in Galatians, the 6th chapter. We're going to read three verses to start this process. If I was in uh, a black church today, I would say, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you better get ready because this is going to be good. And so we're going to be as close as we can. And I'm going to ask you to do that. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you better get ready because this is going to be good. This is good stuff right here. Come on, this is not copy and paste sermons right here. This has been baked in a a spiritual thermal oven uh, of my thoughts and processes and, and just I believe God wants you to share in this today. Paul the apostle said, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Now we're reading the last few words of the culmination of a letter that the apostle penned in response to the conflict in the Galatian church by what's known as the Judaizers, those of the circumcision, those that were trusting that by the circumcision of, as an outward sign of the Abrahamic covenant, that it was still dependent even upon the Gentiles. And the apostle is saying, in Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but it's a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace beyond them and mercy And upon the Israel of God. And it's those last four words that we're going to use to create the context, and we're going to prelude it with two additional words. Here, the apostle uses words that seem to be familiar to you because you're familiar with the term of Israel. But you're probably not as familiar with the way and the means that the apostle is using it and to whom he is making application. So I'm going to connect to the Israel of God. I'm going to preface it with... Who is? We're going to answer that over the next few weeks. You'll get a broader understanding of it today. but That's the question that we're targeting through this uh, process. Who is the Israel of God? I want you to be so convinced of this that you've got the enlightenment in your eye today. Amen? Can we pray a brief prayer and ask that God would begin the process of enlightening our eyes? Father, open the eye, the spiritual eye, and the spiritual understanding of every person under the sound of my voice, certainly including me as well as this pastor, God. I pray today, Father, that there would nothing be hidden from us. God, your word has said, that which is hidden shall be revealed. God, Jesus himself said that kings and priests and leaders desire to see the things that we see and were not allowed the, to that insight. So God, you've privileged us. We are privileged people today to have this doctrinal content in front of us. May we not waste it, God, but may we hold to it today in Jesus' name. We thank you for these things and all God's children said amen and amen. Thank you. Daryl, have fallen from the stool. Thank you, Brother Daryl. Let me take you just a moment of time here to build a backdrop that is very important to be able to start the process of answering this question to whom the Apostle Paul was speaking to his, his reference here in the book of Galatians and the broader application of it. So I need you to really zone in for just a little while with me. And let's take this familiar word, Israel something that you have searched the scriptures, you've seen it from the Genesis forward, and uh, you certainly see it in modern times as well. So let's take a few minutes and let's look at the origin of the name, where it was first applied, how it was applied, and even to our modern culture today. The name Israel means uh, Prince of God, and it's first discovered in the book of Genesis with the grandson of Abraham, his name was Jacob, as he wrestled with an angel beside the brook Jabok, when he had... Uh, gone away for 20 years and he had become himself a great host and he had uh, married two wives, produced multiple children and he's making his way back to his nativity, the land of his nativity. He's fearful over his uh, uh, arrival because the last time he had seen his brother Esau was immediately after he had stolen his birthright from him. Jacob was uh, you know, appropriately named a deceiver. The word Jacob meant a deceiver and in that particular culture. And so we with that, he's very apprehensive. He sends his family across the brook. He stays there in the night, watches by himself. When he sees the uh, 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 a heavenly messenger, perhaps in the initiation of this moment, he didn't know it was a heavenly messenger, but, but but through the process of wrestling with this man, he discerned that this was someone outside of the temporal world. It was somebody of a heavenly existence. And he showed a side of him that he had never shown previously. He held on in such a way that it revealed something something that was on the inside of him and the angel after touching him on the side and causing him to limp for the rest of his life he would rest upon a staff as he walked from that moment that the angel said to him you will no longer be called Jacob but you will be called Israel because you have wrestled with God and hath prevailed and so from that moment of time we see that term begin to emerge in scripture it's also applied not just to the man Israel but it would later be applied to his descendants. He had 12 sons. Those sons multiplied and their lineage became known as the tribes of Israel. Many of you familiar with that term in scripture. Perhaps a more commonly used term in the scriptures is the children of Israel. That is most uh, affectionately used during the exodus, especially as Israel is coming out of Egyptian bondage uh, after uh, being there for 400 years. And there's a great multiplication, and we see the scriptural record in the book of Exodus and their sojourning for the 40 years in the wilderness. Time and time again, the author references that particular lineage of descendants from Jacob, now Israel, as the children of Israel. Now, those of you that have studied the scriptures, you know that Israel, after 40 years of, of wandering in the wilderness, and that the, there was a group of the Israelites who had been in unbelief. They died. Their children are now adults. Moses himself is not allowed to go into the promised land. His successor is chosen, Joshua. Joshua is a militant leader. He's got the appointed task to lead the children of Israel in the conquest of the Canaan land or the promised land. And so they go about through the process of taking the the, the promised land. And during that, when that conquest was complete or almost complete, if you notice the scriptures, you'll almost see a transition from, in essence, the children of Israel into the nation of Israel. For once they took, or at least almost took the entirety of the promised land then they would have a uh, they would have a hierarchy of leadership uh, they would have a common government they would have at first they would be ruled by judges and then also including the elders the, of the tribes but also it would include uh, a priest it was a, a priesthood that would lead but eventually they wanted to be like the other nations around them and they sought after a king Saul was originally taken but because of the rebellion of his heart he was rejected and the D- the Davidic uh, you know lineage of what was chosen and David's dynasty was born. And so during that time we would look at them in the scriptures, such as in the book of 1 Kings and the Book of 2 Kings as the nation of Israel. Now that nation would later be divided into the ten northern tribes and to the two southern tribes when there was a when there was a division amongst the nation. And the two southern tribes would be known both geographically and in the common language as Judah while the ten northern tribes would reference and be known as Israel Israel, So you'll see that as you read the book of 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. So be aware that when you see the term Israel in that moment, typically it's talking about the 10 northern tribes and it's not necessarily referencing the two southern tribes. Now, and just taking you on a brief journey in the evolution not only of the name of Israel but the application to the people group that it's ascribed to that people group would fall into apostasy they were easily distracted and because of apostasy and idolatry God would allow for judgment upon them by the Babylonians and the Babylonians in 586 BC would conquer not only the nation of Israel but they would conquer their capital city of Jerusalem and they would destroy the city of Jerusalem and the temple. Many people were taken captive and they were held in captivity for 70 years. And at the conclusion of 70 years, they would be allowed to return to the land of their nativity and they would be able to to rebuild their temple and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. However, something was lost in their return to their land and that was they lost their national sovereignty. They, They dwelt in the land They could even be known in certain uh, circles as Israelites, but in essence, they had lost their national sovereignty. Primarily, they were called Jews. Uh, That term begins to emerge during the time of the captivity and the regathering into the land. Previously, they were almost always known as Israel or the children of Israel. Now, they're primarily known as Jews. The word Jew is actually simply a shorter derivative of the region of Judah or Judea. So, it's just simply... a Slang, if in essence, they've shortened the language down. Instead of saying from Judea, they would say a Jew. And that's the common term, the most common term that you read about in the New Testament. The people, the Israelite people were primarily initially uh, subject first to Babylon, then to the Medes and Persians, and then subsequently to the Roman people. And again, that brings you into the New Testament. Rome considered the region Palestine, thus even to this day the conflict of the Palestinians, tracing their name to the Roman heritage that was ascribed to them. And when you read about it in the New Testament, and you know that during that time period even though the people had been allowed to live back in the land back to the original decree by Cyrus the Persian king that allowed them to return by the time that Jesus arrived there the land of Israel has a mixture of people groups there's Samaritans to the north but there are also a lot of Gentiles as well a lot of people uh, from, from Roman culture are dwelling there and then there are certainly the Jewish people as well oddly enough in 70 AD once again the very city of Jerusalem would be destroyed by the Roman general Titus he not only destroyed the city but he destroyed the temple And the people were dispersed worldwide. And that dispersal this time did not last 70 years, but that dispersal lasted almost 2,000 years with the people group known as the Jews dispersed to the four corners of the earth. And after World War II and the realization of following World War II of the brutality that the German people had oppressed upon the Jewish people, there was a worldwide sympathetic movement to their cause and the Zionist movement, which had been formed many years earlier was given uh, uh, credence to not only allow the Jewish people to return to their homeland, but once again to regain national sovereignty. So in 1948, they were allowed to be called once again, uh, uh, I mean, you're talking about thousands of years going back to the time that in essence a flag would fly over the the people of Israel and declare them a national sovereignty. It, It happened in your lifetime, many of our lifetimes, 1948. And so here to this day, and we have been there one time and we we learned a lot while we were there is that you don't have to be a physical descendant of Abraham to be a citizen of Israel. You don't even have to be a believer in God. You don't have to be uh, somebody that trusts in the history of the traditions of the Jewish people. The reality is today that most most Jewish people that live in Israel are not rabbinical. They don't follow the teachings of the rabbis. Uh, Many are not even orthodox, though there are a lot of orthodox, especially in the old city of Jerusalem. But many are secular they're Zionists, they believe in their homeland, but they don't practice the worship that you and I, when we think of Israel of old, we try to bring it into the Israel of modern, and they're two totally different entities. It's it's very difficult to, tip, to try to mix this. The reality is this. Did y'all know that there are literally uh, hundreds of atheists in Israel? I know that you may struggle with that, thinking that what you've always known as the chosen people of God, that the, many of them are atheists to this day. It's kind of a paradox. It's a unique thing. And so just very quickly, to, for, to summarize this brief journey, I wanted you to start with me because that's the backdrop to the canvas of the of the of the of the, of the painting that we're working on here today. Is that the the name of Israel and the application of Israel? First, it was to Jacob, then it was to his descendants, known as the tribes or the children of Israel. It became the nation of Israel during the D- Davidic dynasty, and then it was split. Following David's death and the death of Solomon, it was split into the northern tribes with the southern two tribes being referred to as Judah. And today we have the modern nation of Israel. But what I want you to see here is the Apostle Paul makes an application that that seems to be a little bit kind of different than the normal normal usage of the word that we often uh, see it ascribed to. Now notice this, as the Apostle Paul, he is a Jew. He is of the descendants of Benjamin. And he writes here in this particular passage of Scripture, he makes a very informative, even a controversial statement when he spoke of, notice this, first of all, he said in the 15th verse, he said, if you're in Christ Jesus, it's not about whether you are circumcised or uncircumcised. It's about being part of a new creation. Are y'all with me? Amen. He said, we're not devaluing the old, but we're recognizing that in Christ, he's made of one." And that starts the revelation here. And so then in the 16th verse, he says, "...as many as walk according to this rule..." peace beyond them and mercy upon the Israel of God. There's that term, the Israel of God. Now here's the reality. The revelation concerning the Israel of God can be life changing for even us here today. It can be something that so enlightens your eye that it changes the way that you view who you are as Christ has called you and made you his own. So go with me as we unfold this just a little bit further. I want to ask a couple of questions. Is the Apostle Paul asserting that a change has occurred. Has there been a reorganizing that includes a breaking off of the of some of the old and an inclusion of the new? We're going to begin to discover this, and as it does, as we do so, I think it's going to just cause you great joy. Almost to the degree, Apostle Paul said, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Stay with me. Now, let's go back and let's try to identify with this just a little bit more. So, put that cliche that the Apostle Paul gave us here, the Israel of God, deep in your spirit. And let's do something for a few minutes. In order to unlock that mystery that surrounds that statement, the Israel of God, you and I first have to do something. We have to first attempt to understand and identify with ancient Israel for just a few moments. The story of ancient Israel, in essence, really did not begin with Jacob. It actually began with Abraham. Abraham. And Abraham uh, was a direct, you know, descendant of Noah. Of course, that's, you know, pretty much the uh, most obvious statement that any pastor could say. We're all direct descendants of Noah to a certain degree. But he was of that of, the, of that biblical lineage that you can trace in the book of Genesis. He was living in a region that's known today as 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 uh, Iraq. He was called biblically Ur of the Chaldeans that particular region. And God appeared to him. I don't know how He appeared to him in a dream, in a vision. Did He speak to him by an angel? He did by angels later. But He spoke to him. And I want to put up here on the screen the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis, if we can, verses one through three, because when He appears to Abraham, He promises him something. There's a revelation of three things that. That emerged the Lord said to Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Let's follow it. And I will make of thee of Abraham a great nation, and I will bless thee and I will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. What a powerful promise that's being made to this one singular man, Abram. God makes a promise to him that includes certain things. uh, that, That he's promised to give him a land and he's promised that from his own loins or lineage would come a nation of people. And then he said, and that's what's awesome about this passage that you and I know by having read the scriptures. When God promised him a nation of people, he didn't even have a son. He didn't even have any children. He was was barren and his wife was barren. But how many of you know that sometimes God will call things that be not as though they were? Come on, God's got an ability to put a promise in your life when you look around and say there's no way in the natural that it can be fulfilled. But God spoke that word to Abraham and said, Not only am I going to give you a land, I said, from your loins it's going to come a nation, but then notice what else He said, it's going to come nations that through you, all the nations and families of the earth shall be blessed. Glory to God. It's a great promise. And so Abraham and his immediate household were given circumcision. There's that word circumcision as a sign or a mark of that covenant because if you read the book of Genesis, God reappears to Abram in the 15th chapter to reaffirm the covenant and in the 17th uh, chapter especially to once again reaffirm the covenant that he initially made with him in the 12th chapter. And circumcision, the removal of the foreskin of the flesh of every man of their household would be a sign or a mark of that covenant. Matter of fact, God actually said that if your house and household will not be circumcised, literally, God said, I want you to remove them from your household. King James English says, cut off. Let them be cut off from their household. So it was a very important thing that God was doing to establish circumcision as a sign of the covenant as a mark of the covenant and so when this family multiplied during the Egyptian captivity God told Abraham God told him he said when you die he said I want you to know there's going to come a time when your descendants are going to be taken into a nation and they're going to be held in bondage for 400 years but while there they're going to be multiplied and when they come out they're going to be a great nation of people. So they went in as just one family, but they emerged as a great nation of people. And when they emerged out of Egyptian captivity with their leader Moses, who had received the law of commandments high atop Mount Sinai, God spoke to them at the base of Mount Sinai. And I've referenced that more than one occasion. It was unique. It 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 was a pivotal moment. It would be one of the things that if you would look back into all of human history that when he spoke to them at the base of Mount Sinai, you could say that was one of the tipping points. That would be one of the most important things that have ever transpired in all of human history because at that moment the invisible God came out of his glory revealed himself there upon the mountain silhouetted himself in the darkness of the cloud he allowed thunders and lightning bolts to go out as the mountain did shake and as it burned with fire and the audible voice of God Moses if you read the book of Deuteronomy would later say when that voice was spoken he said you neither saw a silhouette or you didn't see a form." at all but you heard a voice you knew it was supernatural it didn't come from anything on the natural realm it was not earthly in any capacity it was not fabricated by men it wasn't a false god or deity it was the one true god who was revealing himself to a people that he had formed a covenant with it's a powerful moment and so moses Would later reflect upon what took place over those first few weeks at the base of Mount Sinai in the book of Deuteronomy and he reaffirms certain things that God said to the lineage of Abraham let's read it if we can beginning in Deuteronomy chapter number 7 we're going to read verses 6 through 15 now in order for you to begin to see what I'm talking about you got to somehow start to identify start to identify with these words if you would for God is speaking through Moses to the people of God and he says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Let's roll it. We'll just read it all the way through. For the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for you were the fewest of all people but because the Lord loved you I didn't choose him. Come on, he chose me. Come on, somebody. It's not that I loved him, but he loved me. And because he would keep... Some of you, maybe it's starting to... There's a little bit of inkling. I feel the earth starting to shake a little bit. Somebody's starting to see what I'm seeing. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand. How many know it was a mighty hand that God brought them out of Egyptian bondage? I mean, 10 signs upon the 10 pagan deities of the Egyptian people until only they could know that there was one true God, the Yahweh God, the God of the Hebrew people. And he redeemed you out. Out of the house of bondmen and from the hand of Pharaoh who was king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God he is that God. He's the faithful God. I say that today. He is the faithful God. He keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Tenth verse. And he repays them that hate him to their face. There ought to be a godly reverence in every man, woman, boy and girl. Every born, come on somebody, of a woman. We should be able to reverence, come on, that our our god is the ultimate judge and we're going to stand before him one day god said i'll repay them that hate them to their face and destroy them he will not be slack to them know this now listen to this thou shalt therefore he's speaking to the nation and he said i want you to keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which i command this this day to do them 12th verse wherefore it shall come to pass if you hearken to keep these judgments and do them the Lord thy God is going to keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy that he sware unto your fathers 13th verse and he will love thee and he will bless thee he will multiply thee he will bless the fruit of thy womb he will bless the fruit of thy land thy corn and thy wine thine oil the increase of thy kind which means sheep and cattle and the flocks of thy sheep in the land which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee and thou shalt be blessed above all people there shall not be a male or female barren among you or even among your cattle. And the Lord, I like this, God said, I'll even take away. Remember the plagues of Israel that God put upon the Egyptians to secure their deliverance. God said, I love you so much. I'm not going to put those plagues on you that were put upon the Egyptians. He said, matter of fact, I love you so much that when the enemy's coming in against you, I'm going to take those plagues that were upon the Egyptians and I'm going to put them on on your enemies and they won't even be able to stand in front of you, glory to God. Now, oh, my God. Jeez, uh, let me let that alone. I'll just get started and I won't be able to reel that thing back in. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 4 through 8 for just a moment. Because God spoke this. He said, now, this is the fourth verse. But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you this day. But I, behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments. Oh, is it important that I learn the scriptures? Absolutely. Come on, my people perish because of ignorance of the word of God lack of knowledge as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do so in the land whether you go to possess it keep therefore and do them for this is your wisdom and understanding in the sight of the nations he said because I'm going to bless you God told Israel he said I'm going to bless you so much that as you hear these statues and others hear about it they're going to look at you and they're going to say this great nation is a wise and an understanding people I'm telling you I believe that the children of God ought to walk in the fullness of that promise today that we ought to walk in such favor and fullness of God blessing and understanding that the unlearned people of the world look at our lives and say, I don't know what you got, brother, but I want some of it because you're living life differently than the people that are around me. Glory to God. He said, for they will say this, for what nation is there so great that God has so, that so nigh to them Come on, the God of the universe, the invisible God, Elohim in Hebrew, the creator has is so nigh to you as the Lord our God is and all the things that we call upon him for. Eighth verse, so what nation is there so great that has statues and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? That make a Baptist shout this morning. Come on, now oddly, we know this. Now listen, these blessings were conditional upon their obedience to the law of commandments. 613 precepts to follow that would create the healthiest, safest, most unique social and civil order on the planet. That's what the law did. The law's only weaknesses was it couldn't provide righteousness, but it could provide a civil order, right? That would keep people healthy and safe. But the law also promised to, Curses if the people failed to obey the word. Even expulsion from the land that they had been given. So I want you to notice this. A chosen man becomes a chosen family, which becomes a chosen nation that's blessed by the favor of God. Let me tell you something that I've learned about God. When God gets ready to bless somebody, he don't have to ask your permission. And when he gets ready to bless somebody, he can bless unlike anybody else. Every area, think about this with me for just a minute. Align yourself, identify yourself. If I were an Israelite dwelling in Israel and if I had studied the word of God and I was confident that this was the word, I heard the word, I was walking in the precepts, my heart was circumcised before the Lord, not just the flesh, but our heart was circumcised before the Lord, then I could have the expectation that God was going to bless me. I could walk in blessing all the days of my life. My head would not ever have to be downcast. I would never have to sit in disbelief. I would never have to sit a day in despair. But I could know that my God is for me. I could realize that God said he would bless every area of my life with his supernatural power and grace. Did you know in Deuteronomy 11 and 25, God had already told them in the 7th chapter, have we read it later, reaffirms it in the 11th chapter. He said, I don't care how big the enemy is around you. Don't look at the enemy that's around you. Look at me come on look at the covenant that I have with you Look at let that get in your spirit for just a minute he said no man will even be able to stay and stand in front of you because you're in covenant with me I've shared this in days gone by but I feel like I should re-echo it again today for just a moment that mystery is never seen more clearly than in the life of David for when the young lad David stood in the valley floor of Ella and he looked across it at the chosen champion of Goliath uh, uh, of the Philistines Goliath by name nine feet eight inches with a coat of mail and a heavy armor upon him and he's trained in all the warfare and the hearts of all the Israelite men are hiding in their own tents. David had said these words. He said who is this uncircumcised man that he should defy the armies of the living God? You and I have read that for years and never understood the full application. What David was saying is that man there he may be trained he may be strong naturally he may have have a strong army but there's one thing he doesn't have he don't have a covenant with God but he said I am not trained in warfare I don't have anything but a sling and just a few stones taken out of one of these brooks but there's one thing I got I got a covenant with God who is that uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God Goliath echoed back am I a dog that you come out to me with a stick he said I want you to know he said I'm going to take your head from your car Marcus, that everybody will know that there is a God in Israel that delivereth not with the sword or the shield, but his power is in the Lord, and he's going to deliver you into my hand. So that's a revelation that David had that the men hiding in the tents did not have. David knew that if God be for me, then who can be against me? Glory to God. Don't we need to raise up a new breed of Christians in the earth today that start lifting their head and their countenance from the despair all around us? And say, I know the world is in turmoil, but as in my house, there's favor, there's blessing, there's grace. Because I'm in covenant with God. (laughs) Hallelujah. The Bible promised the wombs of their wives would be blessed. Listen, me and Sherry can testify to that. God said no barren one among them, their children would be blessed. Do you believe your children are being blessed? Don't curse them. Bless them in the name of Jesus your cattle and sheep, God taking sickness away from them. God just said, love the Lord, walk in his blessing. It's pretty simple. Unfortunately, that's not the end of the story. The history of the nation of Israel is the history of a people stiff-necked, refused to follow God, rebellious and hard-hearted, hard hearted they were easily influenced by the pagan practices of the people around them and i mentioned it a moment earlier but moses had warned them don't just circumcise your flesh but circumcise your heart but time after time the nation fell into idolatry and into apostasy typically it would only be a remnant you familiar with that word remnant, you will be before this series is over. A remnant would remain faithful and true to the covenant. So listen, I'm trying to catch up to a couple of things. By the time that you and I read about the Israelite people in the New Testament, am you familiar with reading about them in the New Testament? If you went with me for 40 days, you're familiar with them. Recently, right? Right? Now listen, now they're primarily known as the Jews. Their nation is now occupied by the Romans. Idolatry has given place. They're not following in idolatry, but they're allowing the precepts and traditions that were originally intended to help foster adherence to the law is now hindering true faith in God. Come on, you you glean that when you read the New Testament Gospels, don't you? Jesus had already reproved them for making the word of God of none effect through their traditions. So Jesus in his ministry to the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel. And remember this, most of Jesus' ministry was exclusively to the Jewish people. He was teaching them the greatest commandment of all is what? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He constantly reproved the religious leaders of elevating their rituals and traditions to equality with God. Actually, oddly enough, it was this conflict that he had with the leaders that resulted in their plotting to destroy him. I've got a couple more passages of scripture I've got to show you. I will not look again at my watch because I don't want to know what the time is. It's important. I've drawn back part of this to make sure that I'm not giving you too much, but I hope I'm giving you just right information what you need today. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus' ministry would again continue to challenge especially the religious leaders, but not just the religious leaders, all of the people of Israel concerning their faith in God. Even their false premise that they had their own presumed status as descendants of Abraham. So let's look and see what Jesus had to say about the, that they had a presumed status that they were righteous in God's sight because they were of the natural seed of Abraham. We're going to go to John chapter number 8. We're going to start in the 31st verse. Are we ready for that, Phil? Jesus said to those Jews, notice who it's written to. Who's it said to? Say it with me. Come on, let's read it. Jews which believed on him continue in what? My word, and then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Let's go back to that. Everybody didn't get that. Because if you'd had, you would have said a lot bigger amen. See, because if you'll continue in his word, you'll discover the truth. And when you discover the truth, it's going to set you free. Come on, somebody, amen. Right there, 33rd verse. They answered him, Come on, they're aware of who they are in a national lineage. We are Abraham's seed. And so we've never been in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? 34th verse, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you're committing sin, so you're the servant of sin. They were not aware of this true uh, overwhelming spiritual bondage. The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. And how many know he was the son? If the son therefore make you free, you shall be what? Free indeed. 37 verse, I know that you are Abraham's seed. So Jesus is not taking away from the historical fact that they were actual physical descendants of Abraham. Correct? He's saying, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. 38th verse, I speak that which I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father. Now, stop right there because before we read this next verse, Jesus would later, but time will uh, prevent us from saying this, Jesus said, you are of your father the devil. And his works will you do? Strong language created great animosity amongst those religious leaders, and thus it led to again to them plotting to destroy him. Let's go ahead and read the next verse. Then they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were of, the ch- of Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. So Jesus is creating a distinction, and we're going to read a few more verses, between the actual national lineage of the seed of Abraham and those that are hearing the word and obeying the covenant. Come on, somebody. There's a revelation there. He said, Now you seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth, but I, which I have heard of God. Abraham didn't do this. 41st verse, You do the deeds of your father. They said to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, God. I think this is the last verse. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me for I proceeded forth and came from God neither came of myself but he sent me unto you and so Jesus in this particular passage he himself starts to attack the actual ideology that were held by the direct descendants of Abraham who were claiming that they were in the fullness of the blessing because they were simply born of the lineage of Abraham and Jesus said right there he said that you may be the seed of Abraham in a national lineage but you are not the children of Abraham because you're not trusted in who I am Because God sent Jesus to his own that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now Jesus would later say, let's continue for just a moment in the words of Jesus concerning something about inclusion into the true sheepfold. So again, for the sake of time we won't go into depth of it today but we will later, not today, but Jesus starts to attack the ideology held by the Jewish leaders of their day, of his day, that they were of the seed of Abraham so therefore they were the children of Abraham Jesus said, well, you're the seed of Abraham. Yes, you're you're your natural offspring, but that doesn't make you a child of Abraham because you are in unbelief. See, because Abraham was justified by faith before God. Okay, so let's go further in the 10th chapter, a couple chapters over. We only have one more passage of scripture that we're going to go to in a few moments. Jesus said this, I'm the door. Come on, I told you today when you come into the parking lot, I said, you got to come in one way and go out another. Jesus said, I'm the door. You want to come to the Father? Hello? You got to come through who? You got to come in by me. If any man will enter in, he'll be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Let's read it on down. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The 14th verse. I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I've known of mine. 15th verse. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus said, I'm the door to the sheepfold. He also said, I'm the shepherd of the sheep. And he's looking at Jewish believers, and he said, I want you to know, other sheep, that's real critical. Get it down in your spirit. Because here's a Jew speaking to Jewish people, and he's saying, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them I must bring, they will hear my voice, and there'll be one fold and one shepherd. Glory to God. Wow, we're on trail of something right now. We're on trail of something because all of a sudden we're seeing how Jesus who came unto his own and his own received him not but he spoke very directly to them and he addressed the unbelief that they possessed and this uh, this misguided ideology that just because they were descendants of Abraham they were children of Abraham and he said not so because if you continue in my word you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, for the sake of time I'm on the last page of my notes real quickly I'm about to turn over. After his death burial and resurrection, Jesus' disciples ministered almost exclusively as Jesus did to the Jewish people but something unique happened somewhere along the line. First Philip went to the Samaritans and when he went to the Samaritans the Samaritans were what we would call uh, please forgive me this word, half-breeds they were half-Jewish, half-Gentile but he went and he preached and people received, got saved, baptized and received the Holy Spirit. And the disciples started saying, whoa, wait a minute, something's at work right here. And a marvelous event happened in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. It's reiterated in the 11th chapter. We're going to touch it quickly and we're going to close with one final passage of Scripture in the book of Ephesians. But you've got to stay with me for just a few minutes. If I know it's late, but I tell you, it's the best part of the ball game is usually late. All right, stay with me real quickly today. All right, so in the 10th chapter... The apostle Peter is praying, and a voice speaks to him. Three men are coming for you. Get down. Go with them. Go with them. Go, just go wherever. They so Peter responds. He brings men with him that are Jewish. He finds out they're going to take him to the house of a Gentile. Now, if you know anything about Jewish law and culture, it was unlawful for him being a Jew to go into the home of a Gentile. But I tell you, he was on the edge. God had spoke to him. And so he goes in there and he finds a Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius who is claiming that he was praying in his house a few days earlier and he saw a vision from God. An angel appeared to him and said, Call for Peter and he'll show you the ways of life. So Peter hears about this, and he just starts preaching. I'm telling you, just the, the, come on, the preacher just began to awaken in him. He starts preaching the cross and the, the destruction of Christ on Calvary and the blood and all those things, and he don't have anybody on the piano. He did not have a worship team. He doesn't even give an altar call, but right in the middle of the sermon, the Spirit of God falls on these Gentile people, this whole audience that Cornelius had gathered in his house that day, and they start speaking with other tongues and prophesied the way all the Jewish believers did on the day of And that caught those Jewish believers totally off guard because they weren't expecting that. And then, uh, then they said, wait just a minute here. And so then later when they thought on it, then they realized that this great mercy and grace offered to us through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ on the cross was not just for the descendants of Abraham of natural lineage, but it was for whosoever will, let him come to the water of life. If you're thirsty you can drink. It doesn't matter whether you're black or brown. Doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter your national lineage. The cross of Calvary invites every man for we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God looked upon us found no remedy in the lifestyle of men so therefore he took upon himself the nature of a servant. He died like a man upon the cross of Calvary but when that blood was spilled it was atoning precious blood that reached all the way back to the sin of Adam and reached all the way forward to the last man ever born of woman and it wiped the slate clean and God said whosoever will let him come unto the free fountain of water of life that I give Uh, you can know me intimately you won't be held by the veil uh, any longer in the outer court or inner court you can come boldly into the throne room of grace uh, where you can obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need because you're my child as long as you got faith in me glory to God hallelujah what a powerful word And so the Apostle Paul is the actual apostle to the Gentiles. He's got the greatest revelation about this. We're closing on this passage of Scripture in the book of Ephesians. Let's read real quickly. Now, to put all this together, this is just to take the page, take the portrait. We'll not complete it today. All I wanted to do was to take the canvas and put the backdrop. The backdrop was the Israel of God prefaced by who is the Israel of God, and we're starting to paint it. We've seen that Israel was a chosen people group. Come on. Now let's see what the Apostle Paul had to say to the church at Ephesus, which is a Gentile church. Let's read in closing today. Oh, my God, I may run on this right here. It's the second chapter, the 11th verse. Remember that you in times past were Gentiles in the flesh you were called uncircumcision remember what David called the Philistine uncircumcised you were called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision you were that's what if Paul was here today that's what he would look at you and say remember in times past that's who you were 12th verse at that time you were without Christ and you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel You were strangers. Remember what we talked about in Deuteronomy? Covenant promises. A special people blessed above all people groups. Come on, are y'all with me today? You had to identify with that. Come on, that people group was blessed. David said, by my God, I shall run through a troop. By my God, I shall leap up over a wall. That at that time, you were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. You had no hope. And you were without God in this world. Have you ever felt like that in your own life? You had no hope. You were without God in this world. But now, every now and then God will get a butt right in your way. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who has made both... Come on, one... He took two and made one. Oh, my God. He took two and made one. He broke down the middle wall of partition between us. Who's he talking about here? Wait, just a Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, righteous lineage of Abraham, uncircumcised Gentiles. In one in his body on the cross... He tore down the middle wall of partition that separated us, and he made, there it is, both one. Come on, 15th verse. He abolished in his flesh the enmity, the law of commandments that was contained in ordinances, to make in himself of twain one new man. So remember what Paul said a new creature, a creation, new creature, he said in Galatians. It's a, tw- it's a new man, and now it's peace before God. 16th verse that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross for he has slain the enmity thereby which was the law and he came and preached peace to you which were afar off my God I feel that today and to them that were nigh so wait a minute In, in Christ he said you that were afar off you were Gentiles he said come on The blood's for you and to you that were near the Jews. He said, come on, the sacrificial uh, blood of the lambs was not sufficient. It just pointed you to my blood. Their blood was animal blood. My blood is precious blood. Glory to God. He said, you that were far off, come on. You that are close, come on. We're about to be one thing here together. What is that one thing that's going to emerge? Come on, Paul's told us in Galatians, but we won't say it now. 18th verse. And he said, through him we both have access by one spirit unto God, 19th verse, that that now you are no longer a stranger. Come on, turn to your neighbor. If I was at that black church right now, I'd say turn to your neighbor and say, Honey, I am somebody. Come on, you may think I'm a nobody, but God says I'm somebody. You may not know where I live, but God knows where I live. Come on. Come on, I'm a fellow citizen with what? Come on, with the saints and who are I? I'm of the household. Of God, glory to God. I didn't have a covenant. I was just like Goliath, destined to die without the promises of God. But that day, hallelujah, the blood was shed for me. And now he's joined me to a lineage of faith. And now I live in the covenant promises of Almighty God. Amen. Last verses, three verses. Dale, join me on the platform. Whereby when you read, this is my, let me, let me put this for you today. Whereby when you hear me preach... This is my prayer. Whereby when you hear the skinny preacher preach that you may understand my mystery in the knowledge of Christ. I got a revelation inside of me. I'm not playing games with you. I'm not trying to come up here and try to be something here that I'm not in person. This is what I'm thinking right now in my heart. I want you to hear this revelation. In other ages it wasn't made known to the sons of men. It's now revealed unto us holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles... Come on, somebody read that. My God, y'all ought to get a hold of that today. Should be what? Fellow heirs, same bodies, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Hallelujah. (laughs) Pastor Brown, what does that mean for me? That means that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God's reserved for you a place in his eternal kingdom. Come on there's a place for you Jesus said I go to prepare you a place that where I am you may be there also come on God gives us eternal life doesn't he but he doesn't just give us eternal life he gives us abundant life and so if ancient Israel could say God I'm blessed I'm blessed my family's blessed my children's blessed come on the fruit of the womb is blessed the households blessed the fields blessed The basket's blessed. Come on, somebody. My health is blessed. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? No, you must not be. Because if you were, you would be rejoicing deep in your spirit because you have been called into the chosen people of God. You are a special people today. Why are you preaching this to me, preacher? I'm telling you, get your head up. Quit living your life in despair. Quit whining and complaining for the White House to fix everything for you. Deliverance came from the heaven, from Zion, and it provided access into the holy presence of God. We can live in Him and move, have joy unspeakable and full of glory we don't have to be down disheartened sad broke or broken we can have joy favor grace love mercy kindness I can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh you hurt me I can forgive you because of Christ that dwells on the inside of me this word is shut up in my bone it burns like fire I got hope I've got joy I got peace he is my God and I am his I am in covenant with God today. Hallelujah. God, I'm in covenant with you. I'm in covenant with you today, God. Hallelujah. Oh, God. We're special. Y'all remain standing today. Y'all remain. We're a special people group to God. So Paul the apostle said, if any walk according to this rule, peace and mercy upon The Israel of God. I know in your mind you've thought about the Jewish people. You said, man, that's the chosen people of God. Don't mess with them. You need to realign your theology. Say, I'm the chosen people of God as well. Satan, don't mess with me. Come on, somebody. Because you won't be able to stand in front of me. You know what he said? I know we fight battles. Think about that. God told Israel, I don't care how big the situation is, you won't be able to stand in front of you if you'll trust in me. Doesn't that give us hope here today? And no matter what crisis that you're in, come on, God can bring you out of it if you put your faith and your trust in Him. This is such a marvelous mystery. It's a marvel that Paul would say, Oh God, I pray that when they read, they're understanding my knowledge in the mystery. That the Gentiles are now a part of the family. Glory to God. Isn't that powerful? You and I are part of the family of God. Brother Billy, that's exciting right there. Hallelujah. Listen, I believe that as a Christian, you need to pray and ask God. God, show me by faith till this is more than just a sermon. It's more than just an agitated response to a sermon. That's good. I'm glad you clap and stand. I'm glad I want that because it's exciting. But it's got to be real to you the covenant's got to be real to you you've got to live life in the knowledge that you are in covenant with god through christ that's the key christ is the mystery come on christ is we are hid in him i'll unfold it for you more in the future and i know i'm taking a long time you're thinking to yourself my god if he had brought the whole thing out of here we wouldn't get out of here till midnight tonight that's true But you can, if you understand this in your spirit, it can change the way you live your Christian life. Can it? It It was, if you continue my word, you'll know the truth. And the truth will what? Set you free. Hallelujah. That's how we're going to influence the world. Remember what God told Israel? He said, I want this to be so real to you that the nations around you say, I want what they got. That's what we're praying for. That way you're not having to pass out witness cards. You are a witness. The blessing has run you down. People are like, wait a minute. They, how did they? How did that? It's of God. And that becomes your testimony. You know, I'm not going to go through laying hands on everybody trying to impart that revelation because I can't do that. It has to be you working it out. I'm sowing the seed. So I'm going to close today with this prayer and that's I'm gonna pray for just the group as a whole but you know what's exciting about this today if you're here today and you don't really know God you say pastor I would like to be a part of that family that you just preached about you know what you have to be born into this family by faith don't you you have to be born by faith just coming to church is not good enough you know you have to be born Jesus said you must be born again So you'll be a part of his family. You have to be born by faith. So our heads are bowed and our eyes closed. I'm going to give you that opportunity. I'll say a prayer with you right here today that births you into the kingdom of God. I'll say it with you. If you're here and you're just honest enough with me to say, Pastor, I would really like to be a part of that family, of the children of Israel, the Israel of God. I want to be in that family. I want to be in that family today. If that's you, quickly raise your hand up to identify to me and I'll pray with you today. I see some hands going up today. Thank you, hand right there. Hands going up. Thank you today. We're going to pray. Let's pray that prayer today. Then I'm going to pray for the church as well. Closing prayer. Let's pray for those that raised your hand. You pray with me. I want you to pray out loud. If you raised your hand, you're saying, I need to be born into that family. You're saying, I want to be a part of the household of God. Not joining this church. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm saying I want to be, you want to be a part of God's family by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray a simple prayer, and you just say it out loud as you pray to God right now. Say it with me, and I'd ask everybody to pray it with me so we can make an audible plea today. Father in heaven, I come to you today in need of a Savior. I acknowledge today that I'm without hope and without God. But today, I trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my personal Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Today, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and make me whole. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Come on, somebody. Now some folks prayed that prayer. One closing prayer. Here it is. Right now, it's a closing.